Well, our present series is uh, focused on spiritual breakthrough, how we can know greater intimacy of God in our lives and encounter His presence and experience His power. And that's where we've been for the last couple of weeks, and we'll be for a few more weeks yet. And we've been talking about breakthrough. That's the title that we've given it, breakthrough. A breakthrough is the very opposite of a setback. And it would not be wrong to say that some followers of Jesus have experienced setbacks on their Christian journey and today are feeling defeated, lethargic, downcast, joyless, and intimacy with God seems a distant memory for them. wasn't always like that. In the early days of their faith, they believed in Jesus for everything and anything. And maybe I am speaking to someone here this morning. And that's the way that you feel. No mountain was too high for you to climb once upon a time. No challenge was too big for you to take on. No person was so sinful who could possibly have ever been beyond God's grace in your thinking. And you believed that God was, all things were possible in him. In those days, as you look back, you had a big God. You were confident in his ability. You were the sort of person that I spoke of a few weeks ago when I was speaking about that great father of missions, William Carey, the sort of person who would go after Moby Dick in a rowing boat and take this tartar sauce with him. And that was so much you too. Those were the days. All things were possible. You were bold. You were courageous. You were a force to be reckoned with in the kingdom of God. But that isn't your present experience. Something has changed. Paul writes to the letters in Galatia, uh, to the churches in Galatia, a letter, and he says to them, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Now, Paul's words, if you know Galatians, you know were for a very a certain set of circumstances in that church or those churches. But his words could equally be directed to you this morning. You were running, past tense, a good race. Who cut in on you? If those words this morning, you really get a sense that, yes, they apply to me, Steve, that's absolutely where I'm at. I want to ask you what happened. What has changed over the years? Who or what circumstance tripped you up? Yes, you might have been at one time running a race where you were so passionate, so fervent, but now your faith has become rather nonchalant, rather cool, rather indifferent, detached, watered down. You've become blasé, and your attitude is an attitude of take it or leave it. Now, I know that there can be many reasons for this cooling down, but what I'm just going to focus on for a short while this morning, time is, is, is going by quickly, so I'm not going to be too long. It's something, sadly, which I have seen many, many, many times over the years, and that is the inability to forgive. The inability to forgive someone who has hurt you and the inability to forgive yourself 
for what you've done. And that second point I think I'll carry on next Sunday and talk about. Many Christians are crawling in second gear on the hard shoulder when they started off in the fast lane. And this is all because of their decision not to forgive another person. Someone who has hurt them in the past. Maybe someone who should have known better. They broke a confidence or said or did something which was untrue or spiteful or underhand. Make no mistake, that person who did that to you was clearly in the wrong in what they did. But the real problem is not what that other person did to you. The real problem is you yourself, that you've not been able to let it go. Maybe it was an offense that keeps you awake at night, causes your heart to beat that much faster. Maybe it's something that you find yourself returning to time and time again in too many conversations. Maybe if you're honest, you would say that your whole life is being swallowed up by this. The truth of the matter is that as Nelson Mandela once said, that you have allowed someone else to live rent-free in your head. As a Christian, you might talk the talk. You might believe in forgiveness. You might think that it's a wonderful, wonderful concept. But really, in your heart of hearts, you feel powerless to shake off the hurts. And because of that, you have found that relationship that you had with Jesus being affected. God these days, never used to be like this, but God these days seems so distant from you. You're angry. You're angry inside, and that anger often spills out through your mouth because what is in the heart will come out. You see, I'm sure most of you here this morning know that there's a connection between forgiving others and God forgiving us. And that unforgiveness, if we are holding someone in that prison of unforgiveness, that can have a damaging effect upon our spiritual lives it can act as a great obstacle and the link of forgiving people and God forgiving us is something that we see repeated time and again in the New Testament in the teaching of Jesus particularly let me just quote a few verses to you I say I had all of these on my wonderful PowerPoint let me just throw some verses out at you to show that uh, this is absolutely scripturally based Colossians 3.13, Paul writes, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Luke 6, 37, 38, words of Jesus. Do not judge or you will be judged. Do not condemn or you'll be condemned. Forgive or y- and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be also measured to you. The Lord's Prayer. And f- help us to forgive our sins just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And at the end of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, Jesus says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So there in the few verses, we're told very clearly that our forgiveness is dependent on the way that we forgive other people. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You are probably saying to yourself, how can that be? Since God has already forgiven us, he has forgiven us past, present, and future when we entrusted our lives to him. When we became Christians. Why, therefore, do we need to forgive other people in order to be forgiven? And if that's your question this morning, join the club. I've been asked that question hundreds of times over the, over the years. Well, let me attempt to answer. If you're a Christian, then indeed... God has forgiven you already, absolutely and totally. The moment you turned to Jesus, the moment you repented of your sin, the moment you entrusted your life to him, he forgave every sin, past, present, and those sins that you've not yet committed in the future. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see sinful old you. He sees the righteousness of Christ covering your sin. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, great words. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him. It's a wonderful concept, isn't it? Sins covered, everything that we have ever done has been covered by the blood of Christ. Like someone has thrown a blanket over it, no longer can they be seen. Not only sins covered, but sins annulled. The Lord does not count them against us. You know, we sing a great song here. Calvary covers it all, my sin and shame don't count anymore. All praise to the one who has ransomed my soul. Calvary covers it all. And if we were to die, we would go to be with Jesus, even though we might not have had the opportunity to confess our most recent sins, because we are covered in the blood by the blood of Jesus. Okay. Understand that for a moment. Let's look at the other side of this. In another sense, we know, I know, I'm not perfect. We know we are not perfect. We continue to sin. We continue to mess up. We do the things that we ought not to do, and we fail to do the things that we should be doing. And sin always affects our relationship with God. And that is why it is so important to regularly come before him and confess our sins. John writes in the New Testament, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and make us clean again. So as a Christian, if I sin, my relationship with Jesus will be impeded hindered, obstructed, but I'm still saved. I am still on my way to heaven. I'm still God's child. This is all about relationship, not about salvation. Let me illustrate it another way. Um, my kids, I've got three kids. They're not kids anymore. They're all in their 30s. Three kids, David, Sean, and Andrew. Now, those three kids will always be my kids. There is nothing or no one who will ever be able to change that. My three kids, David, Chan, and Andrew, might hurt me. They might turn away from me. They might not want to ever speak to me again. 
And if that ever happened, there would be a great sadness in my heart. Of course there would. But they're still my kids. My heart would still be for them. I'd still want the best for them. I would still love them totally and unconditionally. But their attitude to me would place a barrier of relationship between the two of us. Now, in this hypothetical scenario, if they came and apologized and showed their desire to be reconciled to their dad, then our relationship could be restored. And that's the way it is with God. If we are saved, if we are his children, if we have confessed our sins, if we have given our lives to him, nothing and no one can change that. He loves us with an eternal love, with an unconditional love. However, we can spoil that relationship with him through disobedience. And this is where I'm coming to in all of this. If we are not choosing not to forgive another person, that is an act of disobedience because God tells us to do it. Yes? That's an act of disobedience and disobedience is sin. And sin separates us from communion and the blessing of God. I know that some Christians are living in the doldrums of spirituality. They're not growing spiritually. They seem to be stuck. They don't any longer experience the presence and the power of God in their lives. And that's for one reason and one reason alone, that they're not prepared to forgive those who have hurt them. Instead of letting go of that grief, that hurt, they will pick it up and nurse it. It's almost like a comfort blanket to them. Not realizing that they have the keys for their own release given to them by God. And that is through forgiveness. And what I've noticed as well is that many people who struggle in this prison of unforgiveness and bitterness, they seem to blame anybody and everybody for their spiritual wilderness. It's the church's fault, you know. It's the pastor's fault. It's other people. The worship is rubbish. The youth work is naff. People are unfriendly. Teaching is boring, irrelevant. And the thing is, you see, it's not so much all of those things. It's that they carry around with them this unforgiveness in their hearts. I don't know if you've heard of a lady by the name of Eva Moses Kaur. Any of you have heard of her? Eva Moses Kaur. She died last month, actually, on the 4th of July. And she died when she was once again visiting Auschwitz in Poland. And um, she was a survivor of Auschwitz. And in a video recording her last visit to Auschwitz, she posted on the Auschwitz Museum official Facebook page. She said, forgive your worst enemies. And then she continues and says, the moment I forgave the Nazis, I felt free from Auschwitz and from all the tragedy that had occurred to me. Eva and her twin sister Miriam were cruelly experimented upon by Dr. Josef Mengele uh, the so-called angel of death. That's how he was known, the angel of death. And he had a particular thing for, for, for twins. And he, he performed horrendous 
uh, operations upon them, experiments which were just utterly obscene. And most of the twins that came into his, I nearly said care, were mutilated and murdered. Eva survived and she was liberated from the camp in January in 1945. And Eva and Miriam lost their parents and two other sisters in Auschwitz. Before she died last month on the 4th of July, Eva was filmed at the site and she told of how she forgave Mengele. Let me read to you her words. After we were set free, I went home, closed the door and picked up a dictionary. I wrote all the nasty words I could find from the dictionary and spoke them out loud and clear. And then I said, in spite of all of that, I forgive you. I found that as a little victim, I had the power over the angel of death. That's this guy, Mengele. And I wasn't hurting anyone. I had an interesting thought that he could never change my forgiving him. How profound is that? Her interesting thought that he, Mengele, the angel of death, could never change her forgiving him. And she said, I'm in charge of it. It was a very powerful feeling. And if I can forgive him, I can forgive anyone who ever hurt me. I think Eva learned a wonderful lesson there. She was in charge of forgiveness. She was in control of it. No one else was. And as we come to a close this morning, I want to say to all of you, you too are in charge of this. You might have been a victim of other people's wrong choices. You might have been hurt in some way. And it's so much harder, isn't it, when people who have hurt us are brazen and unrepentant. And they are, are not at all sorry for what they've done. It's much harder then. Maybe for some of you this morning, every time a certain name is mentioned, it just causes you to tense up, to react with negativity and hurt. That person might have even died years ago. But he or she still has the power over you. And this morning, I would suggest to you that it is a breakthrough that you need. A spiritual breakthrough. A breakthrough which is in your own hands. You can't undo the hurt. You can't erase what's been done to you. But you are most certainly in charge of your ability to forgive that person. I'm not suggesting that you become lifelong best buddies and walk into the sunset together. I'm not suggesting that. That w w is, is unrealistic. I'm not even asking you that you would trust that person again. You might not ever want to trust them again. But I'm, what I'm speaking about is letting go of that bitterness which is holding you. You think that they're in the prison. No. You're in the prison. And it's something that you can do something about. And I would encourage you, don't be half-hearted or don't compromise. Don't say as many people say, oh, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. Because really, they're not forgiving either. The Jesus way. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, forgive 
as you have been for, as, as you have been forgiven. How have we been forgiven by God? Is it half-heartedly, insincerely? No. We have been forgiven totally and unconditionally. Dear Lord, I thank you that in this place today, there are many who have responded. very deeply, Lord, in their hearts in this way, that those words that we have prayed together were not just words, but they had deep meaning, Lord, in the lives of my friends. And I pray, Lord, that you will give them your grace and your strength and your help, not only today, but perhaps, Lord, tomorrow when that feeling comes back of anger or hatred. And then the day after, Father, I pray that you would again give them a consciousness of winning the victory, Lord, in this, in their lives, I pray. We thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven us more than we could ever repay. We thank you, Lord, that we can come before you with our sins washed away our transgressions separated from us as, e as far as the east is from the west. And Lord, we are grateful and thankful for that. But we just pray, Lord, that today we might see others in the light of the way that you've seen us. For we ask this in your name.